Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, welcome to the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, Damian Mason, coming at you from the home studio office with two guys that you're going to really like to hear from. We're talking about a startup in the ag uh, space that does crop nutrients and they do a direct to farmer or channel free concept. So something you're going to learn about, something I've just learned about and talking to these guys. And it's going to be a tremendous show because it's all about where the future of ag might be going when it comes to some crop inputs. And also you're going to hear some entrepreneurial stories it'll inspire you. So uh, before going any further, a reminder that the Business of Agriculture is now available not only as an audio, as it has always been, but all of the year 2020 podcasts are also a video. That's right, on the YouTube channel, Damian Mason Channel. Go to YouTube and just type in Damian Mason Channel. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. You've got inputs, you've got outputs, you've got so much capital expenditure, fields, so much data to keep a track of, and it's the business side that really people struggle with. It's not the driving the tractors, it's the business side that will put you under. So you know what you need? A Harvest Profit.com analysis. Go to harvestprofit.com and check out what they can do for you and get a free 14 day trial using their software. All right. His name's Doug Chopson. His name's Mitch Eviston. Mitch was at Purdue when I was there. He's a grade older than me. Definitely probably means he's got more wisdom, right? He was working in corporate America, as was he. And all of a sudden, he comes up with this idea let's start this new company. So start at the beginning here, Mitch. You're an ag econ guy from Purdue University university just like me you're working in corporate then what well i worked in corporate damien well first off thanks for having me uh you got a wonderful studio here and it's a pleasure to be on your operation today but um since 1991 i've worked in corporate america um worked for companies like siba dow agrosciences Lando Lakes, and in August of 2020, I decided to start a company called Maristem Crop Performance. Yeah, you said it was August 2018, but yes. Yeah. August August 2018, started, you, started this new, yeah. you started this new gig, and Maristem. So what was the deal? You decided, to, you decided I've been in corporate for almost uh, my, well, my whole life, and there's a need out here. So tell me about that. Well, the need was consolidation and infrastructure rationalization with the expansion of farmers today we've seen infrastructure move from the channel to the farm gate but we're still supporting two sets of infrastructure today in agriculture we've got an infrastructure at the farm gate that parallels the infrastructure in the channel uh, the idea behind Maristem was to streamline the product flows to rationalize the inefficient logistic system today in agriculture. Today in agriculture, a product will start off in a plant, go to a public warehouse, go to a distributor who then reships it to an ag retailer who ships it to a farmer. Our approach is to move straight from the manufacturer to the farm gate with farmers that have their own infrastructure. Okay, so there are, by the way, his name's Doug. I should let Doug say hi so before we go any further. Hey, how y'all doing? Doug, what's your role with Maristem? I'm a customer service manager and salesman. Okay. 
what we're talking about here is, and if you're a cranberry producer in uh, Massachusetts, because they've been a client of mine, or maybe if you're in um, uh, crop insurance and you're specialized, you know, you're working in a, a, a cherry crop in Washington, maybe some of this is not exactly stuff that you see, although I think it is. What Mitch is talking about is, uh, for instance, right here in, in northern Indiana, where my farm is, if I drive down the road, I can see a grain facility that is three times the size of what a grain elevator was in Bippus, Indiana, when I was uh, a high school kid. And that grain facility that's three times the size is owned by a farming operation. So what you're talking about is farming operations, Mitch, have grain handling facility, warehousing facility, sprayer and equipment capacity that just 20 to 40 years ago was really the realm of the ag retailer or the grain processor or the uh, distribution channel. Mm-hmm. And so you said, well, now we've got that at the farm level and we've got it at the channel level. Why are we doing that? We think that's an inefficiency. So we're going to circumvent that middle ground. That's correct. What we found is for farmers with their own infrastructure, the ability to apply their own crop inputs, warehouse and really steward their own products we can without a lot of effort take 30 to 40 percent out of the cost point for the farmer by simply bypassing the traditional channel when we bypass the traditional channel what we're doing is we're bypassing public warehouses we're bypassing three sets of freight we're bypassing a distribution warehouse we're bypassing a traditional retail storefront. And when you put all the cost together, you're looking at about a 40% cost to put a product through the channel. When we go to farms without the channel, we're able to parlay that 40% savings onto the farm. Our products are no cheaper to manufacture. Uh, we have no cost of goods advantage. Our advantage is our products uh, are the mainstays of what U.S. agriculture uses today in the crop input additive business, and we take those products to farmers at about a 30 to 40% savings. Tell me about the products, because I've gone on the website and uh, preparing for this. Like I said, I think we're going to see more of this. That's the that's one of my big things here. I think we're going to see more of this because of scale. Uh, as I point out in my book, Food Fear, which you can see is conveniently over my uh, left shoulder here, one hundred and five thousand four hundred and fifty three farming operations, one hundred and five thousand four hundred and fifty three farming operations of the of the three. I'm uh, sorry, of the two million farming operations. So in other words, about five percent of the farming operations in the United States of America produce twenty five. I'm sorry, seventy five percent of all crop revenue. So because of scale, they can take on these roles that they that was previously, you know, part of channel. Um, and the distribution, retail, et cetera, et cetera. So we're not seeing this with all product lines. We're seeing this with uh, certain product lines. In other words, um, I don't know that fertilizer right now is going through because obviously you don't want to warehouse um, 19 train loads of fertilizer, let's say. But the products that you carry are your run-of-the-mill stuff in two-and-a-half-gallon jugs. Am I right? Two-and-a-half-gallon jugs and totes. Okay. Totes. Uh, tell tell the audience what's a tote. Uh, two hundred and fifty gallon package sizes. So okay. we offer our products in two and a half gallons and two hundred and fifty gallons, as well as bulk. 
Okay, so the the idea is you act as manufacturer. You actually, Maristem does not have factories all over the country making this stuff. You use contractual producers, correct? That is correct. Okay, so you said here's the formula. This is what we need made for our product line, and then you do have a proprietary product line. If I see a a, a product name as Aqua Drift, I think it was. Yeah, Aqua Draft. Aqua Draft. So Aqua Draft. So when I see Aqua Draft, that's your product line. That's a Maristem product line, and it's your formulation. Yes. You went to manufacturers and said, "Make this stuff for us. Stick it in this jug, and then we're going to get it to this farming operation. Um, uh, you know, when they buy it, and we're not going to uh, have to go through nine different channels." Yeah, exactly. Uh, while our brands are not well known yet, what I would encourage your listeners to do is look at our labels. And when you look at our labels, you're going to find that our products are really the same type of products you're using today, just delivered in a different way. Okay. We'll go back to Doug now. Doug, you're out here. You're out here at the street level, at the farm level. That's part of your job, right? You're out here making sure this stuff is going. Tell me about the reception, the reaction. Tell me what's going on at the ground level. It's been really well. It's uh, been well received and, uh, my background was not farming. I was an engineer, so it's kind of a new industry for me, but I grew up with enough people that, uh, that farmed. I had a good start to, um, for making contacts. And, uh, at first everybody's kind of skeptical, but once we start talking to them and showing them what we have, what we offer, they're, uh, they're very receptive about the whole concept of direct to farm sales. All right, the product line you have is fairly limited right now. Yes. I saw nitrogen stabilizer, seed treatment, surfactant, crop oil, uh, I think some foliar feed type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty much it? Yes, we focus on the crop input additive space, Damien. Uh, Amazon started with books. Mm-hmm. Uh, our strategy is to create a new channel for products to flow through to reward farmers that have invested in infrastructure. We're starting off with crop input additives. We want to knock that one down and be the best in class at crop input additives. Once we do that, the same strategy can be scaled against other product lines. But in the inception, we wanted to start with crop input additives. What's the next product line? What's the next thing you're going to roll out? I think if you look at Maristem, our long-term focuses on biologicals we believe that innovation is going to come under the ground not above the ground Uh, we believe with the environmental pressure that exists today around the pesticide industry not that we're opposed to pesticides in any shape or matter are we opposed to pesticides but the industry is losing the battle and if you look at where the money's being spent now, the innovation pipeline is going to be geared around biologicals and products applied underground. Uh, it's not, the future's not going to be about post-application. So innovation is going to come not through synthetics, but probably a combination of synthetics and biologicals put together. But a lot of that's going to be pointed at the below ground space so we don't have the environmental pressure with over-the-top application. I agree with what you just said, which is another reason I want to have you on here, because I did not see your basic glyphosate on your website, because everybody and their sister makes glyphosate or can make glyphosate or can sell you glyphosate. Um, everybody and their sister has your old run-of-the-mill stuff that we've been using for a long time. I agree when we when we have... The, the the world's largest uh, chemical company just gave ten billion dollar eleven billion dollars away in a settlement, and that settlement does not even preclude them from future lawsuits. The war is on, 
and uh, traditional chemistry and pesticides, as you say, I think are going to lose the battle. And also agriculture, we we're so good at making food that the customer doesn't see a problem with us having these tools taken away from us because they say, well, what's, what difference does it make to me? Oh, exactly. The farmer doesn't understand. The cost point of our food, Damien, is the secret to our success. Uh, we're spending less than 15% of our take-home and pay. It's the lowest food spend in the world, and that's driven because of our productivity at the farm gate. So the point is the customer, and which I think is a problem, but the uh, customer isn't going to care if we have these tools taken away from us. So when we get some of the old line pesticides taken away from us, you think the future, and I do too, is somewhere between organic, regenerative, and con- and conventional coming together in some of our practices. I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe we're going to take better care of our soil, and we're going to do some cover cropping, some various things like that. But we're also going to start doing biologicals. Explain to the person listening to this that might just be, oh, let's say they're in the crop insurance business. They're like, I'm not sure I know what that means. Well, I don't know if anybody knows exactly what it means other than it's controlling pests through biological products. Uh, There are many... There are many microscopic bugs out there that have excretions that produce pesticide-like activities. Uh, the scientific community is honing in on this today. Uh, we're seeing products out in the industry today, products like azosuperellum and pseudomonas, uh, products that have always been around, but we're just finding out what they do now. And they're biologicals that take out cost and add value. Uh, to the farming operation. It's not necessarily an environmental benefit, maybe a benefit. I'm not so sure we're environmental today. But the cool thing is we're finding innovation that will take will take that off the table where the agriculture producer is not going to have to suffer productivity. There will be new innovation to replace what they're doing today, which is going to be more acceptable to the consumer. All right. We're going to be going to Doug and ask him a couple of questions. Before we do that, I've got to remind you that this episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by my buddies at Harvest Profit. You can go to HarvestProfit.com and read blogs by Nick Horeb. He's the founder of Harvest Profit. It's a software solution that will enable your agricultural enterprise to be more profitable. And isn't that what you really are here for? We're talking about saving 35% on some of your inputs. You know, it's always about saving, 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 cost of production, cost of production. But at some point, once you look at the things you do behind the scenes that can make you more profitable and harvestprofit.com is the place to begin. Go there and find a software solution to help your ag enterprise be more profitable. Also, I should remind you now at the midway point of this podcast, it's time for your milk moment. That's right. Brought to you by the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk. Do you know that an eight ounce glass, just your basic, a cup of milk has as much protein as, as much protein as an egg. No, wait a minute. That's not true. It's got more protein than an egg. So if you're in a hurry and you're trying to shuffle the kids out the door because finally they're going back to school and they're, you know, it, 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 finally you don't have to be the home teacher now. And you're saying, wait a minute, kids, I got to make sure there's some food in your belly, some protein to make you strong. I don't have time to fry an egg, but I have time to give you a cup of milk, eight ounces, eight grams of protein, only six grams in an egg. Give your kids milk and thank the good people at the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for milk. All right. His name's Doug Chops, and he's out here. He's new to this whole racket. What? Okay, I asked you about the response. Tell me about the product that you think is uh, the one that's your bread and butter right now and what's going to be in the future. Uh, right now, the, the the bread and butter product I sold the most out of last year was actually Liquid AMS. 
it's a uh, it's a lot cheaper than what they are currently getting through the channel um i think the the future of the bread and butter is going to be the revline pgr plant growth regulator it's uh it's it's more of a newer technology in the last five years or so i believe and it's uh, really proven to to uh give us results and uh it's, it's going in that direction where everybody's starting to uh to question what that does and they want to see it and they want to try it on their farm all right i've got a question for both of you now one thing I know that ag's always about low cost. When it comes to commodity production, it's always about low cost, low cost, low cost. Low cost milk, low cost soybeans, low cost whatever. But at some point, we're, we're going to still run out of margin because we know that we continue to make lots and lots of stuff. Your thing helps margins. That's good. It's always about, you know, if you're a commodity producer, how cheap can you produce something? Besides price, is there another value proposition Tamaristim. That's fascinating you asked the question, Damian. We we thought that our number one attribute would be price. Uh, with our go-to-market strategy, we go offer the best prices in these categories in the industry. Uh, but upon doing a survey of our customers, we found our number one attribute was customer service. Uh, when surveyed, there's no congestion. The product comes from the manufacturing plant to the farm gate. We don't run any marketing programs. We're flat priced. As a result, our invoices are always right. We control our logistics, so our trucks are there when we say they're going to be there. We have professional drivers that unload professionally, and there's only one point of contact and no rebates to manage. So when you think about the congestion we pull out of the yep. channel, yep. the ease of doing Maristan business with us, farmers say is actually more important than our price. What are you seeing out here with the folks that sell the same stuff you sell in a more traditional fashion? Uh, there's a lot of pushback uh, from those people. That's for sure. They, uh, for the most part, they're not real happy with us because we're we're taking some of their customers away um, versus going down the road to the to the retailer. Um, the retailers definitely have their their place in business, and uh, Maristem definitely has their place. And they're uh, I think we're taking over as far as what farmers want to see, as far as price and uh, not as much convenience, obviously, as it is going down the road and loading up. But uh, if you're looking to save some money and uh, get good service, then uh, our direction is the way to go. I, you know, I just want to add to what Doug just said there. We are our, we focus on farmers with their own infrastructure because we don't offer application services. Uh, I'm a poison case. We are not anti-retail. I farm 288 acres in Indiana. Which makes you a very small farmer at this day and age I'm in, in very crop small, country. And I couldn't farm without our local full-service co-op. Yeah. Without Wait a minute. How, how do you feel about the fact that your product's going to put them out of business? Our product's not going to put them out of there business. You go. We're not in the pesticide business. We're not in the fertilizer business. Ag retail makes their money from fertilizer and pesticide and seed. An application, I think. An application, not crop input additives. Uh, our focus is crop input additives. We're not anti-retail. We partner with lots of retailers around the country today that want to be able to to deliver a high quality product at a lower price but what we don't do is participate in the traditional channel infrastructure games if we do our prices are going to go up 40 percent overnight 
we can't do that to hold true to our strategy we have to take cost out of the supply chain yep. it's that that allows us to deliver the price point not that we can make it at a lower cost it's that we take all the steps out yeah and like you said you've also been disciplined about the product offering you know for the person listening to this that uh, is, is in an ancillary you know they're in the they're in the uh, food canning business when we say things like surfactant and crop oil tell them what that means well when we say crop input additives we sell uh, from an adjuvant standpoint we have methylated seed oil crop oil uh liquid ams and two drift and deposition products. by the way i've got a friend that listens to this he's a he's an engineer it's uh it lives in uh, the chicago suburbs he doesn't know what an adjuvant is nor does he know what ams is what we do is we sell products to farmers that help their crops do better we help chemicals perform better in the tank and we deliver plant growth regulators and nutrition to the plants that drive yield which is chemistry but it's not chemistry in the traditionally defined uh way of thinking in agriculture we could define chemistry as 2,4-D DDT glyphosate uh you know fluazifop whatever these old things might have been atrazine atrazine and so yeah your stuff is foliar feed we talk about and and crop oil that helps the chemistry that is being used stick to the plant right absorption Adjuvant and the definition of an adjuvant means um, it's about absorption and about um, uh, yeah, it's making the pesticide work better. Is it making yeah, making the plant work, making the plant get the stuff. All right, so you've been disciplined about your stuff that you're going to go out there and put out um, because yeah, you're not going to be in the bulk fertilizer business. You're not going to be in the application business. There's a bunch of things you're not going to do. You said biologicals. What about then the next the next hill after that? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think biologicals will probably run me through my career. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know what comes after biologicals. I think the first wave is going to be a combination where biologicals are used in combination with synthetics. And as long as this industry is allowed to pursue innovation, we're going to be just fine. And it's not going to... My hope is not that we pursue biologicals because of some social cause. We pursue biologicals because it helps farmers produce more crops and, and at a lower cost. And, and hopefully, from an environmental standpoint, there's the environmental benefit, too. So if it's, if it's good for our industry and it's also good for the environment versus, you know, the next uh, Ralph Nader comes along and, and uh, leads a green coalition to just put us uh, to where we have to use this stuff. Uh, Doug. Sales question. All right. What's the first thing they ask you, second thing they ask you? All right. Remember, when I used to be in sales, it was always about price, which really a lot of times just means they want to bitch or they, they want to not they want to get you out of their space so they tell you it's too much. But you've already got that handle because you're cheaper. What do you hear? Uh, the first thing they ask me usually is is why why would we switch what we're doing now currently? And it's uh, sometimes it's hard to break those relationships because farmers they uh, they're to a fault they're loyal and they uh, they kind of stick to the same people that their grandfathers and their grandfather's father bought from they bought from the same guy or the same same outfit for fifty years and uh, sometimes it's hard to break that relationship and say at what point do you sacrifice money I mean for a relationship like that I mean it's sometimes they they come through it pretty easy and sometimes they say i don't care what it costs i'm sticking with this guy and those times we just got to kind of move on and let them let them go but uh, um as far as the second thing they ask is uh usually about the quality they say oh, this stuff's cheaper it's probably 
I can go buy cheap stuff down the road. Yeah. And then I have to explain to him, no, 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 let's compare. Let's look at the labels. Let's look at the labels of the stuff you're currently using and then look at our label and you'll see that we are not using cheap stuff. This is equally good or better than what you're using 99% of the time. So you brought up the cheapness thing, and I said, if that's your only value proposition, you know, I, I talk about that in my book, Do Business Better, by the way, that if your only value proposition, you and I both were in Dave Downey's class, we know how to oh, sell yeah. stuff. If your only value proposition is I can be cheaper, some dumb son of a bitch is going to come along and out-cheap you. So you can't always just get by on being cheaper. I like that you went to your customer service. Really, you talked about convenience of doing business. Mitch, when you look at what Amazon did, and I do not like Amazon from the standpoint I, I truly, even though I'm a free market guy, they've got so much capital uh, power right now and so much market capitalization that I don't know that you could even have a free market right now against them. Uh, incidentally, if you're going to buy one of my books, dear listener, viewer, do it at DamienMason.com because otherwise I'm going to give a chunk of my money to Amazon. All right. So what did Amazon really do? They made it cheaper. But you know what, Amazon, there are people that would say, I just love the convenience of it. I love the convenience of it. And that's what you're talking about. You made it convenient for people to buy crop oil, surfactant, whatever. Where else in ag are we going to see this? Because I've got my theories and I've got to be careful because I work for a lot of these organizations. But you know... Seed looks to me like a place that is ready for some, shall we say, um, efficient, efficientizing of the channel of from producer to processor to warehouse to retailer to salesperson to this to that. Am I right? Oh, you're exactly right. Absolutely. Seed? Seed, if you look at seed, seed's a perfect example of why we started Maristin. If you think about when the hybrid seed corn was launched in the 1930s, where did they sell the seed to? They sell it through retailers? No. They sold it to the farmer. You know why they sold it to the farmer? The farmer owned the planter. Well, the farmer never owned the spray equipment. The farmer never had a uh, uh, diking system on his or her farm. Now the infrastructure is at the farm gate. No different than the seed business. The seed business today is a direct business. Uh, if you're buying off Pioneer, that's really direct. If you're buying off Channel or DeKalb, you could argue that is not. But if you're in Indiana and buying off Bex, that's direct. Uh, the product will always flow to the infrastructure. The reason the seed market is a direct industry is because the planter was owned by the farmer when the innovation hit the market 90 years ago. Not until the last 10 years has the infrastructure been available at the farm gate to make a direct move. What makes it possible to go direct is the, what made the seed business possible to direct. The point of applications at the farm. So the product is going to move through the point of application. That's the reason we've always went through ag retail. The infrastructure has been in ag retail. Now that the infrastructure has shifted from ag retail, ag retail still has the same infrastructure they had 20 years ago, but now the farmer has that same infrastructure as well. That's what creates the opportunity for the farmer to gain efficiencies. Okay. So you think there's, in, for instance, see, you think it is closer to direct, which I still think there's a lot of uh, steps in between because a lot of retailers are still doing that. What other things in agriculture are we going to see have the Maristim effect where somebody like you says, hey, 
I'm going to go out here and uh, just do it this way and cut out a lot of uh, these um, steps in between. Well, I can tell you this, Damien. Anybody that studies the industry can do it. Uh, there's nothing proprietary about what we're doing. The most difficult thing about what we're doing is it's a different path to market. So the entire channel lines up against you. Uh, if we're successful, we take cost out of the industry for the u.s farmer but when we take cost out of the industry for you just the took US money farmer, out of somebody's pocket we just took money out of somebody's yeah. uh paycheck in the channel yeah. and nobody sits back and takes that real easy <laughs> you get, you get, you, i haven't found anybody to roll over and die yet all right <laughs> blowback you're getting blowback what else do you need to tell me doug oh i can't think of anything right now damien Okay, so I think that this is going to be more and more of what we see in, well, in all of business because this is where I've been saying to my ag people, the Amazon effect is coming, and it's going to be on all the stuff. That's why I want to have you guys on. It's going to be on your inputs. Um, what about the big stuff? What about the, you know, the stuff that they put more on? Well, I think environmental pressure is going to mean that we use less gallons of glyphosate or whatever that thing should be and then i think it's going to be on all crop inputs does it go to other places does it go to um does it you know we've already seen efficiencies in poultry production and now are we going to see these kinds of things mitch where yeah. a lot of channel gets cut out of everything follow the livestock industry what percent of the hogs today are grown for the spot market less than five percent yeah 95 percent are contractually produced so if you're yeah. listening to this and you're saying what are they talking about <laughs> if you drive through the country see a hog barn you smell hog manure there's a real good chance that that is owned or controlled through a vertically integrated hog processing company that owns them from the time they are uh, sows to piglet to all the way up to butcher and then the barn is just being operated on a contract by that farmer and he's getting paid so much per day per pig to take care of him and then he That's gets right. the manure for fertilizer that is exactly right. And as you look at the innovation that's coming, take this meatless meat, for example. You don't grow out and grow number two yellow corn to make that. Those are very specifically grown ingredients to make meatless meat. Are they going to have a commodity markets for their ingredients, or are they going to close caption the production for that product? It'll be closed. Yeah. It's not going to go through your traditional elevator system. No. You're saying whatever goes into that is just going to be on a contractual arrangement and say, we want to make meatless meat, and you're going to be our contract producer of the stuff that goes into it. Is that That's what you're saying? That's exactly where it's going. And they're going to say, and we're going to control that because it's going to be this pea protein, but it's going to be this type of pea. And it's going to be yep. this. It's going to be grown under these conditions because we're not going to just buy them off of the... And that goes back to trace your food. Uh, know where my food comes from. Uh, traceability. All that kind yeah. of stuff. So we're seeing those things, and you're saying that cuts out a lot of stuff in the middle as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's just it's rationalization that every industry goes through. Agriculture just happens to be at the tipping point now. It's ripe for rationalization. Um, you said it earlier, 105,000 farmers. It doesn't take 20,000 retail facilities to service 105,000 farmers. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, our commodity prices are starting to look pretty good now. Mm -hmm. Why is that? It's not because we bought more at home. It's because we sold more abroad. And our foreign customers don't care where the grain's made. They don't care whether it comes from Brazil, the U.S. Ukraine, whatever. Or right. the Ukraine. They care about low cost. And the low cost producer is going to win in a commodity environment that's driven by export demand. Code for that is the low-cost producer wins. 
the high cost producer is going to have trouble. Yeah. And 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 furthering the point that you've heard before, if you listen to this podcast, that there is going to be a United States agriculture is going to have two flavors. It's going to be big mass scale, low cost production of commodity, and there's going to be specialization and niche. And remember, specialization and niche generally starts to become commodity. Look at eggs; cage free eggs were commodity or a niche at one point. Now it's pretty much all eggs are going to be cage free because of the stipulations by McDonald's and Kroger and, and Albertson saying we'll only buy them that way. But that's where ag is going. So if you're wondering where Maristem lines up, Maristem lines up on the commodity production, low cost side. Certainly, they're probably not going to be serving, although you could if that's a, if that's a growth category, um, organic uh, Indian corn uh, for specially colored um, uh, tortillas. Uh, it might be a niche. Do you have a product for them? You will have a product for them. We'll have a product if they want it. <laughs> when the market demands a product, we find it. That's our job. What have you been asked for that you don't have? Um, not really a whole lot. Anything that people ask for, uh, and I say, no, we don't have that, and I'll call Mitch up and say, hey, this, uh, this guy just asked for that, and he says, well, tell him we'll make it. <laughs> yeah, if it's post-patent, we make it. Yep. And also, if it's got scale, if I'm if I've got forty acres of uh, organic Probably Indian won't go corn, out and make that organic, uh, <laughs> you know, blue colored Indian corn, you're not going to make it for me. Uh, I appreciate you guys being on here. I think that's going to be, you know, the, the the lesson here for our listeners was to think a big picture. You know, they tune in here not to hear the prices of corn and soybeans. They can get that on their phone. They tune in here because we have dialogue and discussion about where agriculture, I think, is going. I see more of these things where we're talking about. You know, a friend of mine, Rob Syke, who's an ag guy, and he's been on this podcast, wrote a book called Food 5.0. He talks a lot about anything that shortens uh, time and distance. Anything that shortens time and distance. Your cell phone today shortens time and distance. You know, I don't like that it's tracking my movement, but by God, I can go on there and I can handle a bunch of business while I'm getting ready to board a plane in Omaha, and I would have had to have spent a day at my desk to do that before. It shortens time and distance. You shortened distance. And you eliminated time, and you eliminated cost by doing that. So that's what your thing does. We're going to see more of this in agriculture. So I applaud you for uh, for doing something. And you know what? It wasn't revolutionary. No. It took more courage than revolution. Damien, <laughs> um, if I could say one thing to your customer, uh, all the folks listening today, was it's going to go direct. You don't have to go direct tomorrow. But to me... You need to start looking that direction. Do something direct. Like you bought a computer in the 90s. You didn't know what you are going to do with it, but now it's an integral part of your operation. The channel is going to shift. Get used to it and go find one category on your farm. I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. And have a direct experience and realize that cost savings mm -hmm. and see what it's like for you. Don't put your whole operation in tomorrow. But go do some work around something on your farm that's direct because you're going to have to get used to doing that in the future. That's that's about dead on. You know, it's the experiment thing. Well, I'm not going to go full tilt, but I'm going to go over here and take this little part of my operation and do this experiment. And, oh, my gosh, you know what I found out after doing so? Boom, look at that. All right, his name's Mitch Eviston. His name's Doug Chopson. If you don't know how to find them, I'm going to hold up their folder on our video, which you can find at Damian Mason Channel on YouTube, Meristem, M-E-R-I, stem, like the stem of a plant. 
What else should they know? A great place to start that journey would be with Maristan. There Give us go. a chance to start your direct journey with uh, with some really high quality products that you're going to enjoy using on your farm. You're going to be happy with your experience, and you're going to really like the cosplay. Appreciate these guys coming to the home studio. You know what? Uh, I wish you well. But like I said, besides just letting Mitch give his product a pitch, and you know what? The kid, you know, the guy. He's a he's a you know he's from not too far from here. I thought, all right. Anyway, uh, the reality is this is this is something to keep your eye on. This is a trend that you're going to see in agriculture. Remember, we talk a lot about that. If you're curious about where trends are going in agriculture, remember my book Food Fear, which was just released in December. Food Fear talks a great deal about the future of agriculture, past, present, and of course the future, and other things that we're going to see in terms of our crop production and our food system. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Harvest Profit. Go to harvestprofit.com for your free 14-day trial. You need a software solution for your ag enterprise that fits the modern, the modern goals of your farm enterprise. So go check out Go check out HarvestProfit.com. His name's Mitch Everson. His name's Doug Chops, and you can follow him on social media. You know where to find me. Thanks a lot for being here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Damien. Appreciate right. you. Till next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.